Welcome to the Food Junkies Podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. On this episode of the show, we provide a brief description of who we are, why we're passionate about food addiction and recovery, what we're currently working on, how we've individually contributed to this field of work, and why you should listen to the show. We also reveal to you our signature question that all our guests will have to answer. We know you guys want to get to the killer content, so we've also uploaded a few episodes to get you started. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Food Junkies Podcast. Today we're doing a little meet and greet with your host, and we're going to start with some introductory questions. So, Dr. Vera Tarman, can you summarize who you are? Hello, everybody. I am Dr. Vera Tarman, and I am the medical director of Renaissance, which is a drug and alcohol treatment center in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I'm also the author of Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. And another one of our hosts is Molly. Molly, can you tell us who you are? Sure. I'm Molly Painshaw, and I am a dual licensed mental health and addiction counselor in Montana, USA. I'm also a food addiction counselor, internationally certified through the Infact program. Awesome. And I'll give you a quick summary of who I am. I'm Clarissa Kennedy. I've been working and studying in the field of addictions and mental health for over 10 years. I'm a registered social worker. I have an additional diploma in mental health and addictions. I have a commerce degree, and I have my own practice called Reinvent Your Bliss Point, where I work with clients of all ages on food addiction treatment and recovery. I'm also in recovery from alcohol, prescription pills, and most importantly, food. So, Dr. Tarman, can you tell us what is your passion? Well, certainly. (laughs) My passion is the main thing of what's, it's the engine that keeps me going. My passion is to speak to the public as well as the scientific community about uh, food addiction. I want to uh, make make it really clear, this is a passion of mine, that this is a chronic and progressive clinical medical condition. It's not something that uh, people are just making up. It's a real condition that we call food addiction. It is real. It is more prevalent than we think it is. We're giving it numbers like 5% or 10%. I think it's way more than that. I think most of us in the field do. And uh, that it is often uh, disguised by other conditions that we call eating disorder or just obesity or, um, I don't know, depression or something like that. I think that a lot of what we call other things are actually food addiction. And it's my passion to state that in the medical community as well as to the public, because the public sometimes needs to hear the professional uh, to validate that. And I'm happy to do that. I also want to say that uh, because I do believe it is a condition that there is a treatment And that's really the source of my passion, that I know there's a treatment that works, that works to sustain weight loss and to make me a person happy with their food. This is not um, an unhappy uh, treatment. It's actually a very positive treatment. So that's my passion. Molly, what are you passionate about? 
Yeah. So having worked in the fields of mental health and addiction medicine since 2005, I certainly have experienced like coaching and counseling individuals and family members through recovery management and relapse prevention, you know, not to mention having my own experience with food addiction recovery. And so really my passion is ultimately to be purposeful. I just, I'm the most fulfilled when I'm useful to other people. And a lot of that I think comes from me speaking my truth, which a lot of what Dr. Tarman was just saying rings true for myself as far as just having that desire to have the message out there for people to hear and understand in a way that makes sense for them. And so I really like taking science. I love the science of it, but I love making it understandable for the common person to understand, synthesize and make it work for them. Great. So some of my passions and the reason I really wanted to get involved in this podcast was because I really think I love to break down the stigma of addiction and mental health because Mm -hmm. it's still out there and almost every single person that you meet or run into has someone in their life that struggles with this disease or another disease and it's time we talked about it and normalized it and also talked about recovery and how great that can be for, you know, your life and how you can thrive. Another thing that's super important to me, especially in the field of food addiction, is breaking down that gap or bridging that gap between eating disorder and food addiction mm. world. Because I myself lived in the eating disorder world for probably about 15 to 20 years. And with told moderation, told that I wasn't doing it right and that I had to keep trying and I constantly kept failing. And for me, that was all it did is break away at my self-esteem, which was already broken. So I really think if we can get professionals in the eating disorder world and the food addiction world to come to a similar table and just see that it's not a competition and it's not all one or all the other, that if we work together, we can help more people that would be a dream of mine to come true. And another important thing that is I'm really an advocate of is loving yourself into recovery instead of punishing yourself into Mm. recovery. You know, I am definitely someone who works from a carefrontation model rather than a confrontation model. And as I mentioned before, a lot of us who come into recovery are already broken and we just need someone to listen and care. So, Dr. Tarman, can you tell us a little about your journey into food addiction and recovery? Uh, Yes, okay. So, I've been on this journey of discovery uh, myself, so I can relate to this personally. From a university student struggling with bulimia, that's what I would have called it then, I am now a person with a 100-pound weight loss that's been maintained for over 10 years. It's probably 15 years, but I just say 10. I would say I've found food recovery and I define my food recovery as um, somebody who eats no sugar, no flour, and no grains. And I I declare that as my solution only because that's where I need to be. That's what I need to eat or not eat to not obsess from food. And um, that's basically my journey personally. Yeah, It's It's not everybody's journey. I think our journeys are all to find that place of peace and serenity. And that's where I found mine. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Molly, would you care to please share a little bit about your journey in food addiction and recovery? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like so many of us, I didn't really have a name for it when it probably all got started, but definitely somewhere at a very young age, around 9, 10, 11 years old, right? Just 
my parents were getting divorced and we were moving and we were states away from the other parent, all those things. And I really just found food to be the comfort that I could get when I couldn't get it anywhere else. And so um, definitely just over the years, continue to use food as my comfort not really knowing how to do it different, uh, trying the moderation deal, uh, as you were describing Clarissa earlier from like the eating disorder world, right? Like if you could just stop eating your feelings or if you could just eat one or two of these things, then you, everything would be okay. And, um, not really finding solution until just about three years, just a little over three years ago, actually, I was dealing with some other health issues. My husband heard a podcast um, on the Joe Rogan experience of all places where they were talking about keto and uh, just suggested that maybe I would want to look into it because there were some ties to polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is one of my medical conditions that I deal with. And from there, it just kind of grew. I got into eating. Basically, I only eat um, animal protein, vegetables, and fat. And it started uh, healing some of those issues. A few months later, it was suggested to me to read Dr. Tarman's book. I read Dr. Tarman's book, and I had a I had a term for what was going on in my life. And um, already being in the mental health and addiction world, I was like, I have to do something about this for myself personally, but then also for everybody else who's out there. I started thinking about all the clients that I've been working with, with other substance use and process addictions that could probably, uh, you know, maybe had gotten, um, passed over or, or something left out by not addressing that for all those years. And just really since then I've made it my passion to continue to move forward. And the solution has been abstinence, abstinence from those things that were making me sick period. And so that's, that's really you know, again, like Dr. Tarman said that that's my journey. It's not everybody's journey, but certainly that has been mine. And I have as well, um, had over a hundred pounds lost and been maintaining as well, because there is no, right. There's, if I'm not putting that into my body, I'm not binging, I'm not off the rails and I'm living my life happy and free from the insanity that it had been. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So my story, like all of ours, is pretty individual, and uh, but it did start in the eating disorder world. Uh, first year university, I had my new roommate say, you know, it'd be really good if we could wear the same size pants. And her being skinnier than me, I heard, I'm fat, I'm not enough, and it started a cycle of anorexia hmm. and then bulimia, laxative use, and this is going on many years, uh, five or six years, multiple treatments, and n- like no resolution. I was also hmm. extremely fat phobic, uh, and because that was the nutrition messaging at the time was, you know, if you eat fat, you get fat. And I was obsessed with calories, and I was obsessed with what was on the way I looked. Unfortunately, I really believe some of this eating disordered eating behaviors led to a car accident that I was in, and it was very serious. I suffered a head injury there, and after that accident, I was prescribed some Percocet, and that was my new solution because when I had the Percocet, I didn't have the hunger and I had the energy. And so then I stopped worrying about the food so much. And then after 
being on that and multiple surgeries, uh, it stopped working. And so then uh, at the time I was working in the food and beverage industry, so I moved to alcohol and alcohol fixed me for a while. And so until it didn't anymore, and I went to Homewood and got treatment and got clean and sober from that. But it was never a level of recovery that I was able to maintain for a long period of time. It would be a year, a year and a half, and then I would have a binge. Now, at that time, none of my eating behavior had been dealt with. I still wasn't consuming fat. I was still over-exercising every single day. And I actually had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Tarman and her introducing me to the concept of food addiction. And at the time, I was really interested in the concept more because I had a bunch of clients that were coming off of alcohol and drugs and switching to food. And I didn't know how to help them. And so when I met Dr. Tarman, it was like, Oh, it wasn't so much anymore about the clients. It was like, this is my solution and this is what I need to do. And the level of recovery I've achieved because of that, the stopping of the obsessive thoughts about food and how it controlled my life all the time. It was never for me a story where I gained a lot of weight because I just restricted so much and I exercised so much and In some ways, I think it was probably more mentally and physically exhausting than just giving up. And, but that's, that's what it was for me. And so I was introduced about three years ago to an abstinent food plan. I eat about at least like, I would say 80% more food than I ever thought I would be able to consume. Mm -hmm. And I've maintained weight, uh, since I started and I never, I I never weigh myself um, because that's just part of my eating disorder recovery. But uh, but I've also never thought about my weight and my clothes always fit me the same. And I have more energy and I have better sleep and I'm stronger. And it's the it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. Wow. (laughs) I hope that there is some other individuals that are listening to our podcast that maybe can relate and see how even addressing food might help the recovery with other substances as well. So that's exciting. Dr. Tarman, what are some projects that you are currently working on? Okay, well, obviously this podcast, which I mean, it's just wonderful that the two of you are so efficient and so like willing to do this stuff. It's like wonderful to have a team that that. uh, 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 that's helping move this this whole uh, platform along. So I, I've wanted to do a podcast for a very long time. And, the, you know, I'm just thrilled that you two also want to do a podcast and that we can kind of uh, join together in a team. I think that podcasts are the way to go because people listen a lot, you know, like they're driving, they're running, they're they're walking. I do a lot of walking and listen to podcasts and audiobooks and, and uh I, so it's it's i think it's a great venue and it's a venue that's only going to continue more uh so that is um something i wanted to do for a long time and now we're doing it my uh other part uh, pardon me the other project i guess that i'm doing is the facebook page the uh, i'm sweet enough um sugar free for life that is uh, slowly growing and um it's a vibrant community that is free and it, I don't know if it's enough for people, but it's definitely, um, I, I believe in making social bubbles, not just for COVID, but for thinking to, to not let, uh, in, not to not let the sugar infiltrate into my world. 
I have a safety bubble where it's a no sugar bubble. And uh, I think that the Facebook group is a great bubble. It's not enough, but it's definitely there. And it's good for me. It's not just I'm on it all the time to uh, help um, it along. And so are you guys, which I greatly appreciate, like really appreciate, because we need to have people who are doing well to help the people who are new and struggling. And it's a project that I didn't think would become what it has, but I see the value of it. And so I see that like, it's just great. So those are sort of my two current projects. I don't foresee at this point uh, writing another book. I'm just foresee pushing the message of the book, uh, Food Junkies, along because I think there's a lot of valuable information in there. It's as a good primer. It's, it's, uh, it's not something, it's, it's a good primer. It's a good thing to get, get your foot into and then you can go on from there. So I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now. I would like to see more um, speaking, but you know we're doing it in podcasts. So, so this is this is going to be a, a, a official podcast, but there's video casts and and more video type things. It's just going to continue. So even beyond what we're doing, uh, just to do more um, food addiction stuff, whatever it takes. But those are the sort of three things that I'm doing right now. Molly, can you let us know what project you are currently working on? Sure. Um, I actually have quite a bit going on, I think. Um, so besides working with clients individually, I am hosting Sugar Support, uh, Sugar Sober Support Sundays, which um, yeah. anybody and everybody is welcome to attend. It's free and we get on and we have a theme and a topic and, and we discuss what that's going to be the week before. So everybody kind of knows if they want to show up or not. Um, and they're prepared for it. Um, I'm currently on the Food Addiction Institute board and I'm heading up a special committee that's right now geared toward getting food addiction more talked about at conferences and conventions, especially with 2021 quickly approaching. So that's in and of itself, uh, its own little project for sure, trying to figure out what's yeah. virtual, what's what's um, worth it, what's in person, all those things. I'm working on my sugar certification with Bitten Johnson out of Sweden right now so that I can offer that service to more people, right? So we can actually use a diagnostic tool to help people visually see whether or not they do truly have food addiction or if they're harmful users, um, when and where it started, that kind of thing. I'm currently designing a, a, a food addiction recovery program to launch in January 2021. Hopefully it'll be on the platform Teachable that isn't necessarily nailed down yet, but something along those lines so that people can have access to it forever and ever after they've paid for it. And finally, I am working with a, a colleague over here in the States and we are working to put together a book that will hopefully launch next year as well. And it's meant to be sort of a field guide for food, ad for food addiction, for people in food addiction recovery, right? So like how to kind of walk about this world and quick, I found myself in a, in a tough situation. I'm not really sure what to do. Let mm -hmm. me kind of reference this um, text. So we'll see how, how it all pans out, but yep, those are the projects I'm currently working as well as the podcast. So yep. I I'm, you'll find me at my computer most days. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all also struggle with a little bit of workaholism. Okay, Chrissy, what are you doing? What is your current project? Yeah. Uh, so I um, participate in, as a moderator, in the two sugar addiction groups. One is the Sugar Bomb in Your Brain, and of course, Vera's group, uh, Sugar Free for Life uh, support group. I'm sweet enough. And the number one thing I love how you were talking about it, the community, Vera, is, you know, 
when people feel they're so alone and you're like, there is 11,000 people in these groups, like Mm -hmm. you are not alone and your people are out there and you just have to connect with them. And so I think it's like an amazing recovery tool that is in place. And I recommend it for anyone seeking help and support in their recovery. And it's amazing how many people, like, if you say I'm struggling, how many people will immediately reach out and send you a support, send you a heart, what, an emoji, whatever it is yeah. that will help you get through any of your struggles. I'm also on the executive committee of the board of directors of the Food Addiction Institute. I'm currently on a committee working on the proposal to get food addiction recognized in the DSM. Hmm. as well as working on the ICD uh, through the World Health Organization. And through that, my role is connecting with some of the people who have authored some of the research papers behind it and getting their support on backing this. And uh, I really feel like I'm going to get to see this in my lifetime, and I couldn't be more excited about it. This podcast, of course, I'm super excited to bring education about food addiction and awareness to as many people as possible. And hopefully this will reach a whole new audience of people who can get engaged and maybe hear what they've been missing. Because, I mean, I wish I knew about food addiction so much more before I did, but I'm grateful I found out when I did. And, of course, I have my own practice that uh, every day I see clients and uh that is some of the most rewarding work that I do. So, Dr. Tarman, please tell us how you feel you've contributed to the field of food addiction. Um, okay, great. Um, so I feel like I've uh, contributed to the field of food addiction by um, helping food addiction, food addicts in the field, first of all, feel validated with their struggles around food so that there is, you know, just, yes, there is a condition and no, it's not just because you just can't get it together and there's something wrong with you. It's a real addiction like any other addiction and should be uh, treated with the same uh, uh, gravity as we treat, uh, um, you know, crack addiction and opiate addiction and stuff. I mean, we may not die right away, but we will die. In fact, more people die from our disease than die from those. And it's not a comparison thing. It's just a reminder. Hey, you know, this is a serious addiction. I feel like I have made some headway in that, in that I, I do see a lot of people, I mean, just you two today, what you're saying, um, I feel like uh, I've had some influence there. And thank you. It's great to hear that. I also feel like uh, I've had some influence in uh, with some physicians like we have in, uh, in Canada, a, a small group of keto, low carb physicians who um, I think have stumbled upon the solution of food addiction without realizing that they did. And uh, that I'm helping them say, this is why it's working when it does. And when it, it stops working, it's because probably somebody picked up something that was triggering, didn't recognize that. And their otherwise perfect keto plan or low carb plan is now in disarray. All you got to do is tweak this one thing, but keep everything else the same. And they're, they're quite uh, open to that. So I find that when physicians are willing to listen, they really get it. And most of the time, they're not willing to listen. Um, but uh, there are a few venues like the low carb keto folks, the diet doctor uh, physicians on that website for sure. Um, and, you know, slowly, uh, I guess just because of my, my professional status, I can kind of weasel or wheedle into the obesity community uh, physicians and the eating disorder physicians. And I'm starting to make some headway there. And uh, I, that's good. And I, I can only 
uh, say that I that I've contributed that way because I've got BMD that at least they, they may want to dismiss my message, but they can't just say, oh, well, I mean, they have to listen at least to the first sentence and then they can dismiss it. But I find that uh, the more I'm willing to say stuff and I can do that because I've got the bubble of support behind me, the more they hear it and the more uh, it, it, it's starting to happen. It, it, we're not at a, we're at a tipping point in society, I think. With the medical profession, I think it's going to take a bit longer. And really, the, the cue will really be when, Clarissa, you are successful on the DSM-5 committee. That's going to be our, our creme de la creme. Like, that's when we've made it. Uh, but the fact that we're up there again and we're trying, they are listening. And um, I, I can say that I've been at least a, a small part of that. And that's, uh, that's my bit. Molly, can you share with us how you feel you've contributed to the field of food addiction? Sure. Yeah. You know, so other than the Sugar Sober Support Sundays, I do show up. I'm also a moderator in the Sugar Bomb in your brain group as well. So helping people along there, I show up in Vera's Sugar Free for Life group and like to pose questions and get conversations going there, which I think is super important, right? We need to keep those conversations going. Ultimately, I think my biggest contribution so far has been just really using social media as a platform to really get true the true food addiction message across about, you know, abstinence yeah. and how to get into recovery and how to walk through recovery. And, and that's so different from that moderation or diet culture message that people are are hearing, you know, kind of taking back some of those hashtags, so to speak, that have been overrun by by the people in the camp that truly believe that all food should fit for all people. And um, so, yeah, just really focusing on making sure that there is that gap bridged, like you were saying, Clarissa, that just, you know, that there is a different way if this isn't working for you, for sure. The other thing I love about what you do is you make it so approachable and fun and you add a sense of humor to it. So I think Mm. it's so much easier for everyone to relate to. So yeah, definitely if anyone is listening, they need to follow Molly on (laughs) Instagram. It's a good time. And we'll include that in the show notes. Sure. Thank you. Um, so ways that I feel I've contributed to the field of food addiction would be definitely in my role as secretary on the executive committee of the Food Addiction Institute. Yeah. We are an international group of individuals that don't always see eye to eye on things. And so I step up my role as the cheerleader and the peacemaker and the connector and trying to encourage individuals because some people have been on the board for, you know, 10, 15 years and haven't gotten to see a lot of progress, but this is definitely not the time to give up. This is Uh the time to do more. And so that is something I'm super excited about. Another thing that recently happened last year, which I was very proud of, was that I was able to get a treat, a food addiction treatment plan and recovery covered by WSIB. Oh my God, that's big. Yeah, it uh, it took a lot of advocacy and a lot of conversations, but was just the right caseworker at the right time. And we had a great conversation about how food is substance use disorder, just in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I was just so fortunate to have such a willing client to like come alongside me with it. And so, 
it was uh, probably so far my proudest moment, but I hope it helps and sets a precedent for yes. the work we can continue to do. Yeah. And um, so that was one of my most exciting things. But I definitely think my greatest contribution is working with my individual clients, like getting to see them change and grow. I have a client celebrating one year hmm. on Friday, and she tried everything like I and she just has this completely different completely beautiful life free of worrying about the weight and the food plan and all the stuff she originally came to me completely no sparkle in her eyes and uh, she has a great life now and it's because she found her solution and which was abstinence and food addiction recovery and so if I get to pass that on to even like you know, a few clients that I get to work with, then that will always be my, I think my biggest contribution to the field of food addiction, because they will always go and tell other people and we spread the word and that's, and that's how it gets out there. Yeah. So Dr. Tarman, yeah. why do you think that our audience should listen to us? Uh, well, uh, I think because that, well, I, I'm going to speak as a unit here. The three of us have been there. We're, we're all troopers in the field. We've, we've uh, stumbled around in the dark, uh, the, in the dark ages of, of eating disorder diets and whatnot. And, uh, you know, me, maybe a few years than you because I'm older. But, you know, we've, we've, we've lived it. And, uh, uh, but we've, and we've all found a solution. And we've lived in that solution for long enough to know that it is a solution. It's not just another pink cloud, another hope that will be dashed. I, I don't feel like there's going to be any hope dashed here. I think that uh, as long as I do what I'm doing, I'm going to continue to be on the other side of that hump and I'm going to be happy about it. So I think that just on that level of having had that experience and success, you should listen because that's, you, you're going to, I'm sorry to say it this bluntly, but I got what you want. Those of you who are listening, struggling. <laughs> um, uh, and, and I think that all of us, and I'll speak for myself, um, are educated in why it is that we're doing what we're doing and why it works. So we have the, uh, we have the science behind us. I have a lot of clinical experience, and it sounds like you both are also develop, developing your own clinical experience. So there's a lot, a lot of actual experience. It's not just an N of one. It's not just me, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the, uh, thousands of people that I've seen over the years, the hundreds of which, not thousands, but hundreds of which who have listened and, you know, the tens and twenties that have actually done it and are still doing well. Actually, it's more than tens and twenties. There's probably hundreds that have done well and continue to do well. So, you know, I think that I've got the uh, scientific experience, the clinical experience and the personal experience. You can't really get better than that. No, no, you nailed it. (laughs) Molly, what are your thoughts about why our audience should listen to us? What do we have to offer them? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think there's nothing else like this out there. And if there is, I guess I haven't come across it yet. I think, you know, here we are a trio of two hatters, so to speak. We've walked it both personally and professionally, right? And so we just can bring a whole new perspective. Like Dr. Tarman was saying, you know, I think that the other thing that this will bring is the guests that we have lined up, even just in, you know, the for the first five, six episodes, really bring an element of allowing people who are listening to this to be self healers. So not only are we giving, you know, some resources to the professionals out there who will be listening to us, but I think we're also giving this element of self healing to those who like Dr. Dr. Tarman said, we're like, if you're still seeking it, we've got it. 
here, let us give it to you. Let us ask the questions of the people who are also teaching it here. Here, another way, if you don't believe us, here's yet another person who maybe doesn't walk exactly in our world, but close enough. And they're saying the same thing, you know, and, and take this and run with it and see what happens for sure. If I can just add to that, and and also there's no hidden agenda here. We don't have a product that we're going to sell or a drug that we're going to try to push, you know, on episode five. There's there's nothing, you know, (laughs) what you see right now is what you get. Um, It's more of the same. There's no hidden agenda here. So, yeah, there's. I think that's a level of safety. Yes. Well, you ladies both covered all the reasons that I was going to say, but I think we also offer a unique perspective in having that we have all worked with other substances and like transferred that knowledge to food, which is a unique view on things. And also it makes it so much easy for us to relate back to situations that outsiders may not understand, but maybe already understand from like an alcohol perspective or, you know, opiate perspective or, you know, gambling, those kind of things. So I think that that is just one other bonus that this audience will get from us. Dr. Tarman, what are some new topics that you are interested in exploring? Okay, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm not so sure that I have a new topic other than more in the food, food addiction realm. I think really my focus is on a new audience because I, you know, we as we, I've spent a lot of time in the last ten years finding the people who believe what I believe. Uh, so you know, there, there are communities of people, but we've been kind of isolated from each other. But now we've been mm-hmm. discovering ourselves. And so there's Joan Ifland down south, and then there's Phil Wardell, and then there's Esther in, in Iceland. It, it's like, uh, and now we've got you know Israel and you know you Molly in the states. Uh, like like we're we're we've been finding ourselves uh, of like mind. And um, I think that uh, the focus now, as we've sort of connected up and are connecting and solidifying, even people like Dr. Lustig, who uh, um, wasn't really part of our group, is kind of, we've kind of infiltrated him in. He's kind of in there, even though he doesn't realize it, you know? Um, uh, but now it's time to um, speak to the people who um, need to hear us. Uh, so I think uh, my sense is that the new uh, focus uh, or, or it isn't so much a new topic other than what will it be to get those people to start listening to this message? Do we have to not use the word addiction? I, I don't know. Like that, that's that's the stuff we're going to be talking about in the podcast. And we're going to be interviewing people who are probably not just in our, in our little clique that we've developed, uh, but it's a, uh, it's a way to start reaching out, putting our tentacles out there. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Molly? What are some interesting topics that you're looking forward to exploring on our podcast? Yeah, so definitely to piggyback off what Dr. Tarman was just saying, right? So I'm super interested in the science. So anything that has to do with addiction medicine, the brain, the gut, the rewiring, I'm all about that. And I think that will take us interviewing people who are not necessarily in the food addiction recovery world for sure. I'm super interested in solution focused uh, brief therapy because it is just a language that we can use with people. It does not require a counseling degree. And again, I think it's a way that we can bridge some of that gap between traditional counseling beliefs, which tend to kind of err on the side of eating disorder, I think, to like, how do we get people to where they actually want to be, which is in recovery. And, you know, and ultimately, and I don't know if it's the right word or not, but the word that comes to, to com- that comes to mind is counterculture. 
I have worked for so long, 15 years in mental health and substance abuse for so long by myself because I thought so differently about how I approached my clients and what they were looking for than Mm -hmm. any other clinician that I was being supervised by or was working with. And so I really am super interested in what are some more of these progressive thinkers in these different walks that of life, right? Or, or, um, industry that it really does apply to what we're trying to do here as far as get into recovery from food addiction. So those I'm, I'm super excited about our guests. I'm super excited about building that new audience and really um, just exploring some topics that maybe haven't been touched. Yeah, that's that touches on the one thing I'm excited to talk about dopamine. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of my excitement about the podcast in the first place is getting to showcase people who have these great bright ideas and nobody gets to hear them. And mm-hmm. You know, whether they tend to sit behind their computer desk and write research papers and to be able to get their messaging out there to a wider audience, um, that is something that I am super excited to do is just introduce new people to a community that is always looking for more information. I definitely like to explore addiction interaction disorder, addiction transfer, you know, one disease, many outlets. I would also really love to get some uh, individuals on the show that do work in the eating disorder world and Mm. have those conversations, Um, people who are, you know, promoting the intuitive eating movement. And, you know, it it doesn't have to have be a warm, fuzzy conversation all the time. (laughs) Let's talk about what are all these messages that are out there and like, or do they apply to everyone? Because yeah. they don't. And so I don't think that the same that uh, we can't sell the food addiction to everybody because everybody's not a food addict. Like, let's, you know, maybe check our intuitive eating messages, too, which can be causing yeah. a lot of issues for people. So um, not that I'm excited for controversy, but I do like to have, uh, you know, those educated debates with individuals who are yeah. just as passionate about what as about what we are passionate about. And so this is our signature question, Dr. Tarman. If you could tell a younger version of yourself something about food addiction or food recovery, what would it be? Okay, so there this is it. There's actually two things I'd like to say. And for somebody who's listening who's new in this whole field, who's a newbie, I'm I think I'd be speaking to you too because that's that's who I was. I would say to my younger self that the struggles that I had were real. They they were a physiological condition. They were not because there was something bad about me. I mean, you know, you know, we, we say it's, you know, addiction is not a moral condition. I mean, what does that word mean? It means there's something wrong with me, something inherently unworthy about me that I can't figure it out. And that's, that's where I lived for many, many years. And I carried, um, I carried a great deal of shame about how I ate. You know, I could boast about how much I drank or, you know, if I smoked a lot of pot or something like that. I mean, it was funny and people could laugh about it, but there was no laughing about the way that I ate sometimes. I was just disgusted at myself. And, and, um, I, 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 there's no way I would talk about it. That's how I felt. Like, and so I would like to say that Vera, little Vera, young Vera, um, 
there is no shame to this. I mean, yes, you feel shame, but this, you were responding to a, a physiological disorder because of what you were putting into your mouth. You didn't know any better. Um, and, uh, there is a solution. So I, first of all, I felt a great deal of shame. And um, I guess the first message I want to say is you're no longer alone, Vera. There are many people, like just the three of us, as we kind of disclosed our stories. I'm sure there's dark pockets of uh, alleyway behavior that you don't want to share that, that I'm not asking you to share today, but uh, I know you probably, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, just knowing that I'm not alone, you're not alone um, is helpful. And it's not just, the alone of the knowledge it's that feeling that dark feeling of um self-loathing and stuff which i don't feel anymore that's going to be my second piece but just you're not alone in that and it's not something wrong with you and then i guess the second thing is that not only are you not alone in that but it's not a place that you have to be i also felt hopeless because it i had multiple times that i got out of it lost the weight felt better and then i'd slip back and i'd slip back worse and then I'd get out and I'd slip back. And eventually it's like, what's the point? Because I, it's, it's just constantly, I can't maintain that place of um, success and keeping my head over water. But that's because I didn't have a solution or a long standing solution. Now I, we have a solution, uh, which is free. It's just simply the support and the, and the message that we want to give out multiple times every, every uh, week uh, that we do a talk. And uh, that it, it, there is hope in that. There, I guess the final message is, Vera, listener, there is hope. First of all, you're not alone in any of these dark places, and there is hope that you'll get out of it. That was very powerful, Vera. I really like that. Yeah. All right, Molly, if you could tell your younger Molly version of yourself something about food addiction or food recovery, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, I would have to, again, piggyback off what Dr. Tarman just said as far as first and foremost, this isn't your fault. Like there's something going on with your brain and it isn't your fault. And what's funny is for many years from the time that I was 14 until I was 28 when I was finally diagnosed with PCOS, I knew there was something wrong, right? Like I knew something wasn't right. There was just intuitively something was not right about my brain, my body, my whatever. I just didn't have the right words. And everybody's like, just eat less, move more, you know, all those things. And so I think ultimately it would be, it's not your fault. There is something going on with your brain. Keep showing up for yourself. There is a solution. You will find it, you know, it, and I think just hang in there that keep, keep believing in yourself that it is possible to overcome it because once I got it, that was all she wrote right? It it took those tries. It took that life experience. It took all those years in therapy and going to doctors and all those things to get to where I finally, once I got past it, I haven't looked back. Right. And now it's, it's that the thing that drives me is just keep sharing that message. Right. So at the end of the day, like you were saying, Dr. Tarman, to any listener who's listening, like don't give up before the miracle happens. I know it's so cliche to say that, uh-huh. but, and I would not have believed it. You could have said that to me 10 years ago and I would have told you to go kick rocks. But today I'm saying don't give up before the miracle happens because when it did, it's my life changed in ways that are immeasurable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you. What about you, Clarissa? Mm-hmm. What would you tell yourself? 
Oh, younger Clarissa. So young, <laughs> so naive, so broken. <laughs> uh, I, pr- I would have told her that our food problem is not in our body, that it's in our brain. And that we have to stop looking on the outside and start looking on the inside. And that that all starts with abstinence and, and eating real food. And real food is not your enemy. It can actually be your medicine and your fuel. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you eat the right food, that can get you energized. And coming from, like, I was such a, a fitness junkie, too, with the supplements and the pills and all all of the stuff like that there's no magic pill or vitamin out there that will replace what eating real food and recovery will do for your life and so I yeah because I don't even think I really younger Clarissa didn't eat real food she ate protein bars and protein powders like that that was my those were my meals and smoothies with who knows what in them like and now I don't drink any of my food. I eat it all with a fork and knife and it's the best. And I'm, I love my food today. And to even think that way back then, I would have a life with food now where I get to look forward to sitting down and eating each and every day. I didn't think that was possible. And um, I was also told, you're going to live the rest of your life with this eating disorder. So you just got to deal with it. Like find ways to deal with it. There, there was never a solution that was offered. And with food addiction, abstinence is the solution. And it, I, I'm free, free today with my food. And I couldn't be happier. So like Molly said, keep at it. <laughs> <laughs> a miracle has happened. That's right. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group, I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours. <laughs>